Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast, everyone. I'm here today with my co-host, Pete Robertson. What's up? And Barry Rice. It's very nice to meet you. (laughs) That was like the lowest key entry ever. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I'm Bob Shoneman. Hi, Bob. I, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing with these guys some days, but uh, we're going to have a good time talking about some hard topics in the Bible today. But uh, before we get to that, it's summertime, guys, and uh, my wife is out of town. I'm a bachelor for the next couple days and uh, taking care of Sammy, but my wife, my amazing, beautiful wife, Crystal, is flown across the country to bowl in the national championships in Reno. Huh. You guys ever seen? You guys ever been to Reno and seen the National Bowling Stadium? No, I haven't, but I've been to Reno. It's well, the National Bowling Stadium is right downstairs or downtown, downstairs, right down downtown, and it's this huge building. It's just like I don't know how you could miss it if you if you've been there. But uh, next time you're in Reno, check it out. It's an amazing place. Did you ever see the movie? You probably haven't, but the movie Kingpin. I, bowling, I have the bowling yeah. movie. Yeah, that's where that is. That oh. takes place at the bowling stadium. Isn't Lebowski or something like that? Is there one like that? That's about bowling? a different bowling movie. Oh. Yeah, but oh. yeah, there's a couple bowling movies out there. But oh. uh, I have never watched a bowling movie. Yeah, you're not missing. I, I haven't that. watched a bowling match until I met you, and now I find myself turning on and watching it. I know, right? Yeah, you've changed me. I, yeah, I've influenced you for the good. Yeah. So. Bowling. Yeah, bowling. So my wife is participating in the in the tournament. She went out there with uh, some of her girlfriends, and uh, they're going to have an amazing time. I pray that she bowls really, really well. But they're, they're even going to rent a car one day. This is my favorite part of going to Reno. 45 minutes away from Reno Beauty. is Lake Tahoe. This little town, you get up over, you go by Mount Rose, and you come over the top, and literally you have to drive over the tree line. So you get up there, there's zero trees because it's so high up, and then you fall down into Lake Tahoe, and there's a little town there called uh, Incline Village, and man, it's like, it's heaven on earth. It's, it is absolutely gorgeous. You will not believe the climate change, and Pete, I think you've been there, but yeah. the climate change, times. 45 minute drive, and how much it changed, because Reno is like the desert, yeah. right? It's very, very dry. Yeah. And it you, does get cold there, though, in the winter. Oh, very cold. Yeah, and they yeah. get snow. I've yeah. I've flown in to Reno in May and had a blizzard hit yeah. us while we were landing. It, it's crazy. But Tahoe, I mean, it's just gorgeous. You have redwood trees. You have the, the most beautiful lake I've ever seen. And all of it 45 minutes away. It's just And your beautiful amazing. wife is going to go take pictures there, there take without pictures. you. I know, right? Do they have an In-N-Out burger there? I think I should... <laughs> You should meet her there. Yes, I should fly out and drive her to Lake Tahoe. But no, I I, I'm get to stay home and take care of my uh, beautiful daughter Samantha. We'll have a good time, I'm sure. And uh, mom, she gets a little time to by herself with her girlfriends, and she'll have a great time. So I am blessed to have a beautiful wife who likes to bowl, and uh, so it's honestly that's how we met. I don't know if we ever told that story, but Crystal and I met bowling for Florida State. So, yes, Florida State has a bowling team. There you go. We did talk about Florida State a few weeks ago when we had Pastor Rick on the show. So, Pastor Rick's funny. He he shows up to church pretty much every week wearing a Florida State shirt. It's pretty awesome. It really cool. oh, you know, that must have been... That must be why my stomach gets upset every week. Hey, <laughs> easy, easy. So, what are your guy? What, what are your wives up to this summer or 
or this week particularly. You got anything good to say about your wife? Since my my I, wife's in the backyard right now, laying out, getting tan. getting tan. Yeah, she's getting all ready for everything. Nice. I'm just joking. Yeah, yeah. She, she wouldn't. She wouldn't do that. She is sitting in this room, <laughs> by the way. Pete's nose is growing as he's telling. Yeah, talking about when I was when I was, you were talking about Crystal, I was just thinking of my wife Christine. She, um, we've we've learned to master each other's. Uh, our strengths. We've learned to accept each other's strengths. I guess that's the best way to put it. And we really do fit each other like a glove. And and I was just telling her the other day, I was just meditating on all that she does. She does a lot, by the way. And she just blows my mind that she's able to do it in a way that seems so effortless. And um, and she does things at such a high level. And, uh, and I, and I, and I, I've been all the time. I would just, I text her and just say, Hey, I love you. Or, um, you're hot or, you know, I do whatever. I just do things to embarrass her a lot. I just, I like to embarrass her. Um, does she like it though? Oh, she loves it. Cause she does her back. And sometimes she does it back even more than what I do. Um, and we're very open that way. And we do talk in a very, very fun, loving she way. She is laughing in the room here, <laughs> almost falling out of her chair. And he would say all these amazing things about her, even if she wasn't in the room. I've, I've heard him do it. So. Oh, all the time. Don't I'll back him up on that. Yeah. He's my Mac daddy. That's it. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. Boom, 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 So you, I'm telling you, so she will embarrass me just as much as I embarrass her. But it's, but talking about that, when you're saying that, it's like, I, I am so I I always thank God because it's by His grace that I have her right. Yep. And it, it this doesn't happen without God intervening. And I know that this is of God because we've just we complete each other masterfully. She is a phenomenal person, being mother, wife, and uh, yeah, you're right. I I am beyond beyond blessed. At times I am speechless. I, at times I sit and watch in amazement. As God just continues to be pour out in her and through her, so that's awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. All right, Bear, you're up, baby. Well, it it hasn't been so good lately in my marriage. Um, <laughs> Whatever, it's been amazing. We, we've been struggling a little bit. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> she gonna listen to this? So Christina's not gonna listen to this one. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, how do I go after Pete? Being, I know, that's not really fair. Being like that, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm doomed. <laughs> yeah. Well. This is all I got to say. You know, um, growing up, I was not the type of guy that wanted to date a lot of girls. And uh, I had I had on my heart a very specific woman that I would marry. I wanted to meet her, and I wanted to marry her and spend the rest of my life loving her and, and serving her and, and being all that I could be to, you know, to be the right man for her. And, and I was engaged, and... And uh, that engagement didn't go so well. And, and uh, I thought that one was the one, but she wasn't until I met what became my wife. The one. The one. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, you know, it, it was very humbling to me because my wife is, is the most special person I've ever met. And uh, she loves me so well. 
and and no one can understand me but her like she does and and it's taken her 30 years to do that this this december we will celebrate 30 years of marriage mm-hmm. I, I thought you were going to say that. no one can understand why she loves you so much well that's true too oh. <laughs> I, 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 especially her her side of the family you know her her the in-laws like him really okay <laughs> Still, that's Even what mine say. Thirty years, mine yeah. say that. Uh, it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> we know you shouldn't. Have no, no. Uh, <laughs> so thirty years, you got big plans? Oh, I do. I'm gonna take her somewhere special. Maybe Greece. Maybe Greece. I'm praying Greece. That's yes. so cool. That would be so awesome. And you know, I'd like to do a marriage uh, getaway. Just focus on our marriage and uh, be a blessing to others too. So, mm. but um, I'm praying for that guys pray with me but anyway uh she really is the the most godly woman i've ever met she has a beauty that she not only is gorgeous but it's it's a lot more than skin deep she's much more beautiful on the inside than she is on the outside and she's the most beautiful woman i've ever met so and then two more things um the way she has mothered our children we have six and the patience that it takes to be a mother of six especially with four girls unbelievable and my kids are godly and they love jesus they're not perfect but they're they're awesome people and and i would agree i agree (laughs) you know um we have gone through some very hard times and uh she has just rolled up her sleeves done whatever it takes for our family to make it and do well and uh, i have never once in my entire lifetime ever questioned whether or not she was beside me and whether or not she was for me and whether or not she was on board. Mm. And I, I tell you, that just speaks volumes, man. Y'all going to get me crying here in a second. Mm. So that's all I'm going to say about mm, that. That was top. That was awesome. That was, that was epic. awesome. You did say two more things, though. That was two. Well, two oh, more that was things. two? Okay. Yeah. You, all right. Come on, dude. Yeah. Man, I was just Listen. lost in the story. I couldn't yeah, keep yeah, counting. Right? Okay. Hey, I, I like this. We should need to talk about our wives more often. That was really good. Yeah, that's good stuff. No, we, we, are... we mentioned this the other day. We need to take a break and let our wives get on here. Yes. Yeah, that would be fun. That would blow think, your mind. I think they probably now, get better ratings that would come me. out of that? <laughs> come on. But here's we the problem. We would be off the air. Yeah, we got to plan it. It would be the new Riot The new Riot Podcast. Nobody would want us anymore. Right? Uh, we are definitely overachievers. What they say in the you you out kicked your coverage. You know, yes. I, I feel like we've all pun, we, we've all done that. Um, we have a, we have amazing wives who uh, I love seeing their friendship grow as well. I think it's just a it's just amazing. So we got a tough you know, topic. Yeah, go go go. I gotta say this, please. Your your wife is Crystal. Yep. Your wife is Christine. That's, Sometimes yeah. you call her Chris. Yeah. My yeah. wife is Christina. Yeah. The, their names all start with C's. Chris. Yeah. We all call him Chris too, for short, right? Yeah. yeah. And but I'm telling you, <laughs> each one of them are triple A pluses. Yeah. 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 Represent Christ. So blessed. Godly so women. blessed. Godly women. Sure are. Well, uh, Pete, why don't you open us up in a word of prayer, and oh. then we'll jump into. All right. Um, Unless you want to change no, the No, 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 let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll pray. No, I want him to change the topic. No. Right? That's what I was like. Maybe you could pray. If, no, right. if the Holy Spirit changes your mind no. in the next 30 seconds. It. All right. Lord, why do you have hard passages in the Bible for us to just go crazy over? And Lord, we don't understand. But Lord, we do know that everything has a purpose and a reason in the Bible. And so, Lord, because of that, we trust that you have answers. And Lord, today we want to explore some of those. 
And Lord, we want to do our best to be able to see things from your perspective. We want to be able to understand the Word of God according to your purpose and in context with what you are trying to say to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless this show, that you would overwhelm it, Lord, with your truth, and Lord, that you would bring to th- bring things to light that might be a little confusing. We love you. Help us, Lord, because we sometimes have no idea what we're talking about either. And uh, we're doing our best, Lord, but we know your Holy Spirit leads. And so we yes. give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, two weeks ago, I think um, if you're looking, you know, if you're looking back, I think it was episode 28, we started talking about um, these hard topics in the Bible. And so we're going to kind of continue on that path this, yeah, we, this week. We did that. It was, I, we, uh, I think we got like 84, 8,500 people listened to that on the YouTube channel. So it blew up. I mean, yeah. a lot of people gravitated to that. So, well, we had some comments too yeah. on Facebook, yeah. Pete. I don't know if you read any of those. Oh yeah, so I mean, there, but that's what happens. So a lot of people are not do not understand some things, and so we just take things that people say, and then we just say, "All right, let's talk about it." Okay, so let me jump into kind of our the statement here: is hard passages in the Bible are only a problem because we don't approach them properly. Amen. Either we're taking a passage too literally, or perhaps not literally enough, taking it out of context, assuming an action of humans is a, uh, that action is approved by God. No. Relying on faulty translations, or simply failing to understand the real meaning because of our distance from uh, the event, in whether it be in time, place, or culture, which I find is often the case. Yeah. Um, so the Bible contains a variety of genres of styles of writing, ranges from uh, overly poetic, yep, um, like like the Notebook, no. such as Psalms. I or, love the Notebook. I know that's I know. why I wow. said that. To to prophetic. <laughs> to, <laughs> to prophetic writings, uh, wisdom literature, um, proverbs, right? Yeah. A- a- apocalyptic literature and more. Knowing what kind of passage we are dealing with often helps in our interpretation of that passage. Related to this are questions of interpreting the Bible literally or figuratively. So when you guys study, um, when you're studying for a message or just in your Bible studies, how do you, you know, why don't you give our, our listeners kind of a heads up on how you dive into some of this stuff to make it make sense using the context that we just talked about? I, I usually take the mosaic approach. Uh, Moses went up on a mountain and God gave him some tablets and, and he wrote on those tablets and he brought it down to man. So that's, that's kind of my approach. How about you, Pete? <laughs> no, you got to answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, I, uh, I know me, me and Pete and Bob talked about this beforehand, but since I'm talking first, this is, uh, it is a, a communion of prayer with God to get my heart in line with his. He knows the people. He knows the circumstances of the people more than I do. And and it is his church. It is his people. And I am his servant. And so I go to him as my father and I say, Lord, show me what it is your desire. And, and I... I do a lot of series, and so I, I like doing that for the whole series and, and kind of getting the big, broad picture, and then each week, you know, taking bits and pieces of it and honing it down to make it a process of teaching truth. But, you know, um, I really seek him first in this process and ask him what he wants. And then I I take it from a perspective of what am I learning and what am I seeing and what, what is God saying to me I share with the people. And so 
whenever I preach and whenever I bring a teaching, uh, most of the time, it's it's what God has corrected me or God has shown in, in me. God has given to me and in, in teaching me. And I allow that to outflow and, and share it with the people. But uh, it, some of the things that are very, very important is to to know who this who is writing who has it been written to what are the time of the writing who's what's the what's going on culturally during that age and then uh and then uh who is the recipients right and and uh what is the culture of what's what's taking place and then how how did this relate to all of scripture and how does all of scripture relate to this? You know, so it's, you don't just take one passage and one text out of, and, and just preach on that without considering the rest of the Bible. God is consistent and, and he doesn't contrast himself. He's very consistent. And there's major themes throughout the whole Bible. And how does this re, re, uh, relate to those major themes? And, and, I ask God personally, what is your heart here? What are you trying to show us? What is, what do you want us to know by allowing this to be in your word? And so those are some of the first things I do. What about you, Pete? Yeah, I mean, going into the prayer part, I mean, it's 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 imperative. I mean, for us expository preachers out there, we when we teach the, the Bible as a whole, so if I'm going through the book of Genesis and, and something pops up and it's a hard question, I got to deal with it because I got to teach it. But I'm just going to be honest. Most of the time when I'm reading through my Bible every year and I see these hard topics, I just pass over them. You know, I don't want to spend the time to actually look at it. You know, like there's the topic today is like I would never like actually spend time trying to look it up to try to figure it out. The only time that I would ever do that is because I trust the Bible. I trust it as in context. I trust the that everything that it's saying, there's a purpose and reasoning. But we really do sometimes need to ask deeper questions. We need to find out what is it saying, you know, because we don't want to take it out of context. We don't want to, um, we don't want it to be used against us to to doubt God or or not believe in His holiness or believe in you know how true and good He is. And sometimes Satan can deceive us. Satan can can have us read a passage that's in the Bible and get us off track. And we don't want that to happen. And so if there's something in the Bible that you've read um, and you've tried to do research on or you've tried to look at it and it just doesn't measure up or you just can't comprehend it or wrap your mind around it, um, we're going to try to help you out to understand how to deal with that. But at the same time, um, we're here to help too. So we'll always be doing these hard passages. So if there's something out there that there's you're wrestling with something in the scripture that we don't talk about today, hit us up. You know, go ahead and instant message us and and uh, we'll tackle it on a future show. Um, but way I deal with it is is I ask the question, um, who, what, where, when, why? Who is it talking to? What is this about? Why are they speaking it? And I, and I really want to understand it from the culture. Again, the Bible is an Eastern book, so it's coming from an Eastern perspective. And we have to we have to look at that from that. So when there's something that's happening, we have to understand that that culture, that was okay. In our culture, it's not okay. You know, back in the culture to have multiple wives was okay. In our culture, we frown upon that. Well, nowadays, because of sin, they're not looking at it that the same way. But but it's it's a different mindset. And so when we're looking at the Bible, we have to understand that. Uh, another thing that we have to do is we have to um, look at it in the original text. It's 
a lot of times um, people would look at our translation that's coming out and you're reading in the nearly in, in, in inspire, inspirational version, which is inspired version, NIV, and it's not, and it doesn't come out correctly. So you're going to have to look at it maybe in the ESV or you have to look at it in the Hebrew or the Greek. And um, I use Bible Hub. And so if you guys want to get that app, Bible Hub, you put it up and um, you click on that, you put the actual chapter and verse in there. Um, and then I get it into, I can get it in the Hebrew. I get a commentary version. I can look at it in the original text. I can get the verb. I can get the pretense of it. Um, I can see exactly where it's coming from. And so that helps me to articulate a better thought. It helps me understand it in context. Um, and so I use the Bible Hub. And so sometimes you want to take that. And we're going to talk about one passage today where I did use Use that and I broke it down. Before I go to commentaries, before I go to that, I always ask the Lord to help show me first. And so I want to look at the Bible in context. And so if I'm looking at a hard scripture, I'm going to try to find where else in the Bible this was talked about, if it was there. I'm going to look at it if there's any other verses or if there's anything else that pertains to this subject or this topic. And, and so could I see it in the totality? And so I'm doing that. Um, and if God reveals to me in that way, then great. And then I love to then go to the commentary because it then confirms in what I've already studied or already looked for myself. Um, you kind of do a disservice to yourself if you go immediately to the commentary because you're, you're, you're not really thinking it through yourself. You're not really doing the research and the study uh, into understanding that. And now you're using man's uh, understanding because they did that. They worked through it. They looked at it in context. They studied that. And then now they're given their interpretation. So don't do that. Stop that habit if that's what you're doing and you're studying the Bible. Start by, by what Barry was saying at the beginning. Just pray. Spend time with the Lord. I ask the Holy Spirit all the time, please help me understand what this is saying. And and my wife can testify to this. I'll go through a verse and I'll I'll stay well because a lot of times we do our devotion time in the morning read the bible every morning together i'll stay on one passage over and over and over and over again until finally i understand it and i'll look at it constant in context constantly over and then finally when i can teach it myself when i can understand it in my own language then I will go to the commentary and then I'm like, yeah, I got it. You know, I understood it, you know, and it helps. Right. Um, I do the same thing with, um, I listen to Chuck Smith and, and he has every, he's taught on every book of the Bible and I'll go to that, that thing and I would, I'll pull it up and I'll listen to what he says. And after I've already studied it and, and he'll confirm that, that I was like, okay, good. I'm on the right track. Then I know I'm, when I'm teaching it or I'm presenting it to other people, I have confidence. I have boldness because I didn't just just look at somebody else's I did the research I studied it I worked it out you, you put know? the work in yeah I mean you don't build those muscles if you don't do it if you just go right to the cheat sheet I love that that's a great idea yeah Pete. yeah that's really good well we're gonna we're gonna do more of these shows on these tough uh, these tough uh Top topics on the Bible. So, if like Pete mentioned earlier, if there's something that you have come across that man, you just can't figure it out, or you want you want to hear an explanation, or you just want to hear us stumble over it, um, you know, put that in the, our Facebook um, comment in Facebook or comment on YouTube, and man, we would love to have. Uh, hear your comments and, and kind of jump on some of those topics. So we're going to talk about a few verses today, and uh, you know, and then you know, again, we'll do we'll do these again in the future. But let's kind of jump into that. So the first one is uh, kind of the question of you know wh why didn't Jesus know? So we, we jump into Mark thir thirteen thirty two, and it says, 
But of that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, if Jesus is 100% God and 100% man, how come he doesn't know the, the hour? Yeah, it's a, that's, we get that a lot. And, and this is, uh, the Bible scholars, they call this, what we're going to be doing now is called exegesis. And, and exegesis is the interpretation or the explanation of a difficult text in our reading. And so we're going to do our best to give an explanation. But one of the things that I've also learned is um, I don't try to reinvent the wheel sometimes on certain topics. And if someone else has done their exegesis on that that I trust that I've used in the past, um, theologians or different um, scholars that are out there, um, sometimes I will go to them, especially in something like this. But I, but the common sense before I even get into that, I ask what Jesus knows. Um, so why did Jesus not know the day or the hour? Um, why did you, I'm just speaking from the hip now. So I'm not I'm not doing any of this passage or whatever. I'm just speaking from the hip. So but basically. I, the way I understand it is when he was, he, when it says the son of man in the Bible, it's talking about the son of humankind. So he was born of a virgin. He was born of a woman, a person. When it says son of God, it's saying that he was, he was, he's divine. Okay. So he's the son of God. We become, the Bible says we become sons of God. When we give our life to Jesus, we are now, we, we are now a new creation in Christ. The old things are now passed away. Behold all things. And we are now sons of God. And so we become, we take on a divine nature as Jesus did when he rose from the grave. He took on his divine, his divine being. And so Jesus was both parts. So Jesus was both son of man and son of God. And in the son of man, he experienced exactly the same things that we experience. He goes through, he's, he's going through everything. So when we go through persecution, he went through it. When we go through, you know, hurt and pain, he's gone through it. And so he, he's, he, did, he did everything that we have gone through and so that he can represent the son of man best. And, uh, and I think that there's times where uh, in the son of man, he did not have some understandings of things. I think that as he was experiencing certain things, he went to the Father, he prayed, he understood, he was led by the Holy Spirit, but I think that there were times that God limited his his understanding of it. And so I think that's the reason why, and when it says only the Father knows the time of the hour, and he hasn't been revealed to me, I think that, that he's talking from the Son of Man. He wasn't talking from the Son of God's perspective, he was talking from a Son of Man perspective. But he did, he was empowered by the divine. I'm going to read St. Augustine a little bit. I'll let Barry speak to this, but I, but that will put it in context a little better. And I, and he basically says what I said, but does it a lot better terms. Barry? Hey, guys. Uh, what, what comes to my mind is, you know, uh, the way the Trinity is presented, right? That there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they are in subjection to one another. And I think what a part of this is that there's some things that uh, the head of the Trinity is the one that's totally in control of. And, and uh, you know, what about Jesus praying in the garden, Father, if there's any other way for this to be done, may you do it, but nonetheless, your will be done. See, it's, it presents to us in the Trinity that the Father is, is the one that is the lead, and and definitely there's different layers of responsibility different stuff but but we always see that jesus subjects himself surrenders himself to the authority of the father and what he is saying here is that 
you know, uh, my father hasn't revealed that timing. My father has not let anyone else know. It's in his heart. It's what he wants. And we are all submissive. And I think it teaches us this, this one truth, Pete and Bob, that there's some things that we we just do not understand. We do not know. And we have to be okay with that. Why? Because we trust the Father. And that's exactly where Jesus was. These people are coming to him and saying, we need to know, when is all these things going to happen? Jesus said, I don't know. And when it's the right time in, the Father will reveal it. I trust the Father. They're telling, he's telling us to trust the Father and just like he trusts the Father. So that's one of the takes that I take on this. You know, when I was um, when I was researching this, I was started writing down different verses of of when Jesus, you know, was saying that he did not know or something like that. And then I was also trying to write down verses about uh, what Jesus actually said that will speak to this. And as I started doing that, I, I came across St. Augustine. And so I, I think instead of reinventing the wheel in this, this is through, again, through my study, through research, I came to St. Augustine's form of the servant servant interpretation. He based that based off of Philippians 2, 6 through 7. It says, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Um, Augustine went on in his work, uh, De Trinitate, um, he argued that there is no contradiction in the Son being greater than the Father and the Father greater than the Son, because Jesus is true God and true man. In his deity, he is equal, and in his humanity, he is not. The one is to be understood in virtue of the form of God, the other in virtue of the form of a servant, without any confusion. Scripture passages are thus interpreted by the understanding, the two resonates in them, one turned to the form of God in which he is and is equal to the Father, the other turned to the form of a servant which he took and is less than the Father. When we start to understand the true meaning of the two natures of Christ, then numerous passages start to slide into place. So Augustine went on to say, he said, In the form of God, all things were made by him. Remember, we found that in John 1.3. In the form of a servant, he himself was made of a woman, made under the law. We found that in Galatians 4.4. In the form of God, he and the Father are one. We found that in John 10.30. In the form of a servant, he did not come to do his own will, but the will of him who sent him. He said that in John 6.38. But in the form of God, as the Father has life in himself, so he gave the Son also to have life in himself. John 5, 26. In the form of a servant, his soul is sorrowful to the point of death. And Father, he said, if it can be, let this cup pass by me. Remember he said that in Matthew 26, 38. In the form of God, he said, he is true God and life eternal. 1 John 5, 20 said that. In the form of a servant, he became obedient to the point of death. Death even at the cross. Philippians 2, 8 said that. In the form of God, everything that the Father has is his. Remember John 16, 15 said that. And all yours is mine, he says, and mine is yours. John 17, 10. So in the form of a servant, his doctrine is not his own, but his who sent him. John 7, 16. And so St. Augustine pretty much laid it out. 
And so that Augustine did his homework. He did his exegesis. He looked at the scripture in context, and then he broke it down. The Spirit of God gave St. Augustine this understanding, and then he was able to then put it into writing so that we now can understand the totality of Godhood, of God's servanthood, and of God's divine nature as being God. Any thoughts, guys? No? Yeah, while you're reading that, I, there's always been this verse that's always bothered me, and I, I should have I should have brought this up earlier. We could have maybe talked about this verse, but it's it's Mark six four through six where he Jesus is back in his hometown and he can't do any miracles, and I'm like I, that baffled me. I'm like, wait, he's a God. How come he can't do any miracles? Yeah. But now I think reading what you just read about. Uh, Augustine, that kind of makes a little bit more sense. Uh, but well, it said, I think it goes on to say that it's because of their unbelief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's verse yeah. six because of the, he was like, well, I'll read it to you. It says, uh, and he was marvelled because of their unbelief, and he yeah. went about, you know, going around, he went on, and kept teaching. But in verse five, it says he could do no mighty work there, yeah. and that just always baffled me. I couldn't figure out, you know. Yeah. It just didn't make sense. It didn't make any sense to me. So I still don't think it does, but a little bit more. You're kind of shining a little bit of light on that. Like, yeah. wow, that's that's awesome. I mean, there's a lot of people that have asked that. So if he's if he's God, I, I mean, a lot of people don't understand the difference. Yeah. And so I think Augustine's approach saying that he comes from a servant's perspective is, is really different good. than coming as a God's perspective. But he also had both working at the same time. That does help clear it up. Yeah. yeah that Ph- Philippian 2 passage, the kenosis, talks about him emptying himself and and laying himself down and taking the very form of a servant and that's an example that he was laying his again i speak to that that he is showing an example to us how we should live and how we should surrender to the father and how we are subservient to the father and we are to just like christ seek the will of the father and and there are things that we trust that he knows that we just it's not the right timing for us to know. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right, let's jump into the next one. Um, this one is found in Genesis 12 and um, and 20. So it says, The offer of Lot to sacrifice his daughters echoes other sacrifices of loved ones in the Bible, such as Abraham's willingness to sacrifice Sarah twice, And as a matter of fact. And that that's Genesis 12 and 20. Um to the lust of, you have to help me with this one. Well, actually, lust well, in Genesis 19.8, it says, I have two daughters who have not known a oh, man. Oh, thank you. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. And so I guess that question there is like, what the heck lot are you thinking? <laughs> right? You're offering your daughters to be raped by men? What? And um, so I, I read that and it just makes me go yucky. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't even want to dig into that. Yeah. I just I, I, I can't comprehend that, Pete. Yeah, no, me neither. I mean, we all have daughters. No, I, we need I, Barry like, to answer that. That's just too deep for me. I'm I, not touching it. I can't even. I have two daughters, and I mean, I know how I would I, want to respond. I have four. Guys. I know he has four dollars. So well, he's, Barry, he's more qualified. Yeah, than we Barry, are you yeah, touch very, this one. I sure, this is too much sure. for me. Here's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. This is sin. You offer your daughter to someone, it's nothing but sin. And sometimes the hard passages that we don't understand, it's God showing people, showing what their sin is. And yeah, it may be the less of two sins, you know, uh, these people having homosexual relationships with with 
the people that were under lot shelter and and uh, you know uh, some uh, is this the passage where some think they were angelic? That they, yeah, yeah, these yeah. were angels, even a Christophany, yes. possibly. Yeah. yeah. So you know, uh, lots lot was uh, trying to deter from the worst of the worst, but. You know, still, it was not right, you know, to offer your daughters for sex, uh, to keep someone from staying in your home being harmed. But if we think back during that time, the honor of having someone in your home, having a a visit uh, from from people who are honorable and, you know, lot in that culture, uh, definitely it meant a lot to have visitors. And when someone came into your house, they were underneath your responsibility and you were to take all your resources to protect them. You were to take all your resources to, to make them comfortable. You give them, you give them everything you had because that's the honorable thing to do, but to offer your daughters to, to men, to keep them from harming your guest. Uh, I I just don't see that. Uh, I think I think it was an example of sin, and we know that Lot and his wife, you know, they lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. They grew up in a culture. Uh, they were living in a culture that was condemned by God, and God did away with that city that they lived in, right? Sodom and Gomorrah. He wiped it off the face of the earth, and and so maybe some of that culture is here, that there was, you know, just. Um, you know, just a a sinful mentality that sexuality is not is not to be reverenced, not to be that they weren't reverenced sexuality and and really doing things God way. That this is sin. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I mean, it's, it just absolutely, Barry, hundred percent agreed with you. It's here. This is kind of how I look at it. As you just said, that city has been is condemned. Okay, so that city is in debauchery. That city is in outer, just absolute. Um, you know, in sin. I mean, they're just doing things that are completely not of God. And so Lot is trying his best probably to live. I mean, he's the only holy one there, but he's still screwed up, right? So he's trying his best to 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 live a life that's pleasing to God, but he's still living in sin. So because his culture is all about sin, so his lifestyle's still there. He opens the door, and there's these angelic, perfect, holy beings at his door. And I'm thinking he's freaking out. I'm thinking he's like, holy cow, I see myself, I'm dirty, I'm ugly, I have no idea what I'm doing right now, I'm speechless, I can't even talk to these guys, and they're at my door, and they want to save me, and they're telling me these weird things, and I got to flee, and I got to do all these things, and I'm thinking he's freaking out. I'm thinking at that very moment, all these other grotesque dudes are trying to rape them and trying to do all these things to them, and he's like, oh my gosh, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And I think he's just panicking. And I'm thinking at that very set, at that very moment, he's like, okay, here, I have my two daughters. Take them with that help. Get in here. Get in here. Hurry. Hurry. This is going to screw you. They're going to really mess you up. This is so bad. This city's bad. And I bet you these angels are like, oh, my gosh. you know, And he blinds them or whatever he does with them. But it's, it's, I think it's in that moment. And so the same thing we could say to ourselves. When, when something comes to light, sometimes we panic. Sometimes we act or sometimes we respond to things that are not the very best. And we don't think it through. You know, later we look back and like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? Why did I act that way? 
But I think that what the lesson here is, one, that's sin. You don't do that. Don't offer your daughters or anybody for rape. We don't, that's not good. That's not okay. And so when you read this in the Bible, you have to say that out loud. That's not good. <laughs> you know, this is not something, you don't accept this. This is, this is not okay. God is not saying, yeah, hey, that's a great idea. No, he's not saying that. So you call that out. That's not what's here. But you do have to learn and understand that we need, there's consequences to the choices we make. And we need to think this through. We need to we need to understand that is this decision that I'm making right now the very best? Is this decision that I'm making going to please God? Will he be happy with it regardless of what it is? And, and the reality is it might not be, you know, offering your daughters to rape, but it could have the same consequences if you're not careful. You could make decisions that could devastate your family. You could make decisions that will devastate your finances or devastate your next steps in life if you're not careful with the decision that you make. And we need to look at things in the light of Christ. And so that's kind of what I see to that. That would be the hermeneutics of that. That would be the the hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is a way to discover the meaning of the Bible for our lives. And so that's what that would be. You said another term that uh, I'm not sure all of our listeners will will understand. You said a Christology? Christophany. See, I didn't even say it yeah. right. Yeah, Christophany is what they believe. So remember when um, J- uh, Joshua came into Jericho and the, and he stood face to face with the Lord, the God of the angels' armies, mm-hmm. and, and he's like, whoa, who are you? Are you for me or against me? And he's like, take off your stinking shoes right now. You're on holy ground. <laughs> and then he just bows his heart. And he goes like that. Well, that was, that was, they say that's Jesus. The fiery they're, furnace? Yeah, they're saying that's Jesus. They're saying that that's Jesus. That would be a Christophany. And so this was Jesus before he actually came to An earth. appearance of Christ before. In the Old Testament, yeah, that's a really good. Yeah, remember when Jesus said to the guys, "I was with Abraham back that's when." Right. They're like, "How that's are right. you so old? You were never that." Well, no, actually, I was, but you know, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you guys just made a really good point that I think a lot of people miss, and that is that just because something is in the Bible doesn't mean God condones it, mm. right? Mm. I mean, I, I think you hear people, and we see comments on our Facebook page all the time, and like, "Well, how can you believe on these spirits in the sky when they allow this kind of stuff?" Well, just because they're reporting on it, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the Bible is history, right? It's telling you about events that happened. That doesn't mean that God wanted those things to happen or that He's condoning it. It's just reporting the the whole story. Even having multiple wives, even though it doesn't say in the Bible that it's an actual sin, but just think about it. Use common sense. That's not a good idea. To have multiple wives is not a good idea. Just think about well, all of the God chaos. Well, did God create like in, in the Garden of Eden? He created like. Man, oh, like, ten, women. like 10 women yeah. for, for Adam, right? You took out 10 ribs? No, 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 no. That's no? Not what was. no. That was a different no. story. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. You've got to yeah. look at it in the proper I'm light. Happy if I can keep one happy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back to talking about our beautiful wives. Yeah. All right. Uh, another passage. Um, 2 Kings 2, 23 and 24. It says... I like this one. This is Do fun. you? This one's creepy. Yeah, this well, is Well, actually, the next two are creepy. People probably... What you're going to read right now, people probably have no idea that's in the they're Bible. Like, they're not, that's not... This is not in the Bible. But it is. You can look it up. It's in 2 Kings 2, 23 to 24. Go for it, Bob. So, yeah, look it up. Children eaten by bears. Here you go. Went up from there to Bethel. Elisha did. Elisha. Yeah, Elisha. Not Elijah. Elisha. Went up from there to Bethel. And while he was going up on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him saying, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. <laughs> so they're calling him names, right? And he turned and he turned around, and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. Yes, it's really in the Bible. 
This is so bizarre. I love it. How did I miss? I mean, I, I read it. through the Bible plan, and I don't remember stories like this. You were just like blinded to it. Pete, uh, oh, well, you're enjoying uh, this grizzly bear attack. So. I think it's a condemnation upon bald men. Is that what it is? <laughs> That's how people take hey, it. Baldy, hey Baldy, yeah. and I just you know. Well, Ow. I did I did do research on this, and so let me break it down. Um, <laughs> so again, so let's the in, let's let's look at this in context. We had to I had to look in the original. Uh, text. I had to understand it from the Hebrew. I got to know what these words are. The first thing that I learned right away is it says some small boys. That word boys can also be translated men, young men. So that can be in their 20s. So this could have been a gang and it says is at least 42 of them. Yeah. And then when it's talking about that, the, the some small, there's they're only it's only saying that 42 were, were actual mauled but if you look at it it there could have been like a hundred and something of these kids we have no idea what's happening on so here's elisha um you know elisha's like maybe fearing for his life i mean maybe he's they're they're making fun of his bald head and maybe it's getting you know to the point of the writer or whoever's writing it at this time maybe it's getting to the point where it's becoming heated He's starting to be fearful. He's starting to be scared. And and he has this supernatural power to call fire from heaven and, and so forth. And so he says, you know what? The bears are going to maul you. And they mauled 42 of them. And I bet you the other 100 that were there or whatever took off. So you're saying a riot was about to break out and he called down the bears? Yeah. It's, and again, you read this. It makes me laugh because this is weird. <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> and this is in the Bible. And this is what makes me believe the Bible even more. Yeah, right. Why would you put it in there if you were making it? It doesn't hold <laughs> back. It doesn't hold back. And it's just, I read this and I'm just like, what the heck, God, are you teaching us here? So, Barry, what is the hermeneutics of this? What are we learning? <laughs> That's a good question, but you know, um, I think it's found in the she bear part. Yeah, yeah. Because not the it? baldness, but the she bear. Yeah, the she bear. I I have bears in my backyard every day, and what is what does a she bear do? She protects Tex. her young. Mm-hmm. And I think the meaning of of that is this: uh, Elisha was a man of God, and I I think it's recorded that. And I'm just reading into this. I don't have what what I say is is not the end of it. Um, they were calling him Baldy. They were bullying him, and they were trying to pick a fight, and they were getting ready to hurt him. And so, uh, you know, if you're out there and you're you feel like you're alone and you feel like everything is against you, I want you to know the Lord will fight for you. Good. And he will defend you. He defends the f- defendless. He he is never away from you. He is. He takes it personally when his children are attacked. And this was his man. And uh, uh, whether it, you know, whether it was uh, Elisha really calling down bears and out of the woods to attack them, or he was cursing them, say the Lord deal with you. I think it's really what happened is that. They were getting ready to hurt Elisha, and uh, there was a problem brewing here. They were looking for trouble, and God defended him because God had a plan that was not fulfilled in Elisha's life. You know, I just as you're talking, it just made me think of this too. There's men of God, there's holy men that God has raised up, and you might want to be careful about persecuting them. You might want to be careful about ridiculing them. You might want to be careful about doing that because they're representing the Most High. 
They're representing God. That's good. And there's consequences that can come from that. And and so I would if you if you your pastor you're you're ridiculing him or you're doing certain I would just bite your tongue. Actually, the Bible talks about that. Be careful what you say about the leaders. And I don't have that reference per se. If any of you guys remember it, but you guys can look it up because it James is James Double Honor. Yeah, there it is. It's in the Bible. Um, but you be careful. And so I can see that. So Elisha is a holy man. They know that he's a prophet. They know that that's happening, and they're making fun of him. And so maybe God sees us. Hey, he's representing me. Don't mess with me. And there's consequences. And so I wouldn't do that. So if you're, you know, making fun of a leader or a godly leader or something like that, I would be careful and caution you. That's good stuff. Yeah. All right, I th- guys, I think we have time for one more. And, right. th- and this one's a little strange. I like this one, too. You, you, you would. Yeah, someone used this in one of their arguments for us, and, and I looked at it, and I was like, How the, what the heck are they talking about? And then I had to look it up, because I didn't even remember it either. So Deuteronomy 25, 11, and 12, um, it says when... Who, who's reading this? Not it. <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks, guys. When men fight with one another and the wife of the one draws near to rescue her husband from the hand of him who is beating him. That's nice of her, right? Yeah. She's, she's just defending her man. That's yeah. godly. Yeah. I know. All of, our women, yeah. all of our women would defend us, yeah. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I know I lost my place. <laughs> rescue her husband from the hand of him who is beating him and puts out her hand and seizes him by the private parts. Oh, no. Then you shall cut off her hand. Oh. Your eye shall have no pity. What oh in the gosh. heck are we talking about here? That poor girl. And what is, or should I say that poor guy? The poor. Well, yeah. Which and, one? Uh, um, what is what well, is a genital? One of them. One of them's losing genitals, and one of them's losing a hand. Um, Pete, did you look up the Hebrew for private parts? <laughs> Come on, do it, dude. <laughs> What are we talking about? Why is this in the Bible? I have no idea. What is God doing? Teach me something, Pete. Gosh, Lord, Teach help us. Something. Why do you have to do this? Um, where do we start? Uh, the word for hand is calf. It's tre- the Hebrew word is K-A-P-H, calf. Um, it actually is used many times, uh, I have found in the Bible. Deuteronomy 11.24 says, Every place of which the soul calf your foot tread shall be yours and so that made me think okay well does calf actually mean hand and uh as i looked at it it actually doesn't just mean hand it means palm it needs sole of your foot it means hip it means socket and it means groin but for whatever reason they decided to, to translate this groin or genitals or no i won't say it the other thing and um, it changes the meaning a little bit, though, when you read it that way. Um, there's three parts of the body presented here. This demonstrates that the author is responsible for both of the words. So is it talking about the hip? Is it talking about the groin? I don't know. Here's here's my hermeneutics to this. Jeez, Lord. Um, don't grab a guy's balls. I mean, uh, genitals. <laughs> Keep that there. But what I... I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. But what I think happened here is they're all, everybody's getting serious. I can't believe you said that. What I think happened here is the seriousness of it. If it is the groin, she maybe hurt him from having kids. Yeah. And um, so maybe instead of maybe her can cut off, maybe that's what it's saying. Maybe it's talking about that she can no longer have kids. So sure, her hands cut off from having kids because she, this guy's lost his kids. 
um, you know, it's it it just seems strange. It's eye eye for an eye to a whole new level. Yeah, it just seems strange. I mean, it's uh, what does it matter? No, I mean the bottom line is it's awesome that his wife defended him. Um, That is a good thing, you know. But it's probably best to not fight. It's probably best to try to resolve the the disagreement in peace. It's probably best that cooler heads prevail. Um, so, I mean, we're reading this again. It, it's what I love about the Bible. It has all the, everything in it. I mean, it's talking about everything, every body part, everything. It doesn't matter. It's just telling you. And so we need to just look at this and just say, Lord, what are you saying to me? You know, and I think that's what he's saying to me. Let's, I need to have cooler heads prevail. I need to look at the person that I'm disagreeing with and, and love them as Christ loves them. I need to take a back seat on my opinion or what I feel is best so that my wife doesn't get caught up into this. You know, that's the last thing we want. So, I mean, that's kind of how I would approach this. Uh, there is just no topic that the no. Bible doesn't cover, is there? No. Barry, any thoughts? Or you want to stay away from that? I, I really don't <laughs> want to talk about this. But... <laughs> this one makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is kind of bad, but um, no, you know, in the... Um, in my hermeneutics, I, I take <laughs> take. <away. laughs> Lord help us here. I uh, I think you need to deal harshly with sin in your own life, and how I deal with sin in my own life. You know, to to touch a woman, to touch a man, uh, in in that way, uh, to to try to hurt him and try to help her husband. Uh, you know, it would seem like to us the thing to do. I mean, right? If you if you're not going to win, you 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 hurt them, right? And uh, you know, when it comes to this, it's uh, it's a, it's dealing with sin in a very harsh way to cut our hand off. And uh, you know, I would say in our own lives, that's exactly what we need to do because what what was the example that God showed us about our sin? that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition and that Jesus was sped upon and bruised, you know, for, for God to allow his son to go through that. And, 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 you know, I've talked to a lot of people. Do we, do we let our kids see the passion of Christ or do we not? Because it's just so graphic. We do, in my opinion, because we cannot forget the price of sin. And it's, God always deal with sin harshly, but but it it was absorbed by his son. I mean, for him to, to allow his son to be beaten and bruised the way he was, and then treat it like a criminal. This is the king of the universe. This is this is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords, and he's being treated like a criminal. I mean, people in the streets cursing him, spitting on him. And he's dragging their cross. And then and then he gets to the top of a mountain and they, they nail him through the hands and the feet. Even the criminals there are making fun of him. And people walking by are hurling insults. And yet my Savior's heart was this. God forgive them. They know not what they do. Hmm. And you know, I want you to know that in your own life, you need to deal harshly with your sin, but know how much you're loved. That the Father put your sin on his own son. 
so that he could set you free from the bondage of sin and the and and lord lord took that upon himself oh, i'll give you another heart saying how about this my friend you will spend all of eternity in hell paying for your sin mm. if you don't allow jesus to do it and if you don't trust him to do it i heard a story this week about a woman who was a criminal and she went to court and there was no one there to represent her no one to stand for her no one to defend her and she's begging the court to to not sentence her to prison and all of a sudden an advocate a man in the audience stands up and he reasons with the people and he gets the people to let her go and she was freed even though she committed the crime even though she was wrong he pleaded mercy for her and you know uh, that same person went out the next day and because she was freed she did another crime and uh she was caught and she was uh taken back to court and all of a sudden as she was led into the courtroom she recognized the judge and who was that judge? It was the person that was her advocate the day, be, the week before. Mm, wow. And she smiled. Oh, I, he, this person cares about me. This person will let me off the hook. And he said, no, I sit in a different seat now. I'm a judge now. I was before your advocate. And now I'm your judge. Dear friends, the hard saying is true that hell is real and people who die without Jesus and putting their trust in him will spend all of eternity paying for their sin paying the punishment of hell for their sin and my friend I don't want you to do that I want you to make the right choice now as Jesus is the advocate who will stand up on your behalf and be the go-between and, and, and reason with the Father, this person I died for, they trusted me. Let them off. Let them in. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, if it's after you die and you have not done that, he will not represent you. He will be the judge that says, no, I never knew you. Away from me. Depart from me. And I just ask you today to put your trust in him. And it's as simple as admitting that you're a sinner, believing in Jesus, that he died and he was buried and he rose again, and confessing him as your Lord, your boss, the person who has the right and the authority over your life. The way we do that, according to Romans 10, 13, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So would you call on him, my dear friend? Would you speak out and pray to him like this? I'll help you. Dear God, I pray that uh, you would be with this person today, Lord. Help them to get saved, Lord. So pray something like this. Father, I, I realize that you created me and you love me. And you want a relationship with me, but I stand in the way because I'm a sinner. And I don't meet your standard of perfection. I've blown it. And I've blown it for all of eternity. And I can never make up for it. And I'm sorry. 
I've offended you and, and I ask you to forgive me. And I realize today that the only way that I can be helped is through the one that you sent, your provision, the one that you sent to ransom me, to pay for me, to pay the penalty of my sin in Jesus. I believe that Jesus was your son, the Messiah. And I believe that he died on the cross for me and for my sin, not because of anything he did wrong or on his own. That was a crime. But he died for me and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day and that he is alive. And you accepted that payment and you demonstrated it by raising him from the dead. And so, Jesus, because you are alive and because you are who you claim to be, and that you gave your life for all sinners, I surrender to you. And I invite you into my life to lead me, save me, be my master and Lord right now, and help me to be forgiven. Help me to walk in the purpose of why I'm here and help me to be the man that, and the woman that God wants me to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Friend, I'm really glad that you prayed that prayer and that it will change your life forever like it's changed mine. And I just encourage you to let us know and go find someone that knows Jesus and tell them mm. that they may help you with your new walk with God. You, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, once you're in Christ, mm. you are a new creation. Let me tell you what's new. God, through the Holy Spirit, lives inside of you and you are now according to the word of god spiritually alive Amen. go live a new life mm. for his glory pete tell us what we can do man that's good um if you've given your life to the lord we want to hear about it so please tell us go to the go to our riot podcast.co co and uh, go to the no god section at the top down at the bottom, there's a, uh, a a place that you could say, yes, I gave my life to the Lord. Click that, fill out that information, and we would love to get you some inf some material and just connect with you and uh, hear that. Bob, that was a pretty cool show today. Yeah, awesome. Guys, just, uh, man, the normal, download the, uh, make sure you download the podcast, hit subscribe and hit like, and uh, you'll be notified every Thursday. You'll be the first one to know when a new episode comes live. So, uh, man, just do that and we'd really appreciate it. man we just love you guys um just so grateful that uh, you've taken time to listen to the podcast we pray that uh, it's blessed you and uh, maybe you learned something about a tough topic or maybe maybe now you're like man i gotta dive in and find some more of these things but if you come across them share it with us share these verses on uh, on youtube share them on facebook and and we'd love to talk about them on future shows so that's all i've got this week guys anything else hermeneutics <laughs> right <laughs> Spell that. <laughs> I appreciate Herman. Guys, have a wonderful Peace week. Out. Love Be you blessed. guys. Bye. This has been The Riot Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends. See you back here next week for another episode of The Riot Podcast.